you, you're involved in just a fresh energy of God that's working at this church. Anytime you announce some significant changes that are going to happen, there is that phase where you're getting it communicated. We're trying to wrap our minds around what it means to the schedule we've known, to the ministry model we've known, what it means to how we serve in that. And as we're informed and then equipped, along the way comes a a transfer of the energy of the church about what is happening. And it's just part of the process. And last Sunday, there was an energy transfer. And that is built out of the work of God, out of the excitement about the vision that the Lord has for us. So I'm very grateful to you for your attitude, your heart, your commitment, your openness and the way you've embraced this change. And now what I feel like is our energy that is igniting at just the right time as we're now just a couple of weeks away from launching. William Carey was the one who stood before the people and challenged them about the opportunity to reach people. And he said, you know, our God is a great God, and if we'll just trust him and put our faith in him, we'll find that he can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So out of his heart came, therefore, we should expect great things from God, and we should attempt great things for God. Now, I want our church to be summarized by that in that we are people who just continue to grow in our concept of an awesome God out of which we take steps of faith to attempt the work that he's called us to do, which will put his power into play that will cause the world who needs Jesus to see him clearly and compellingly and to be brought in to the family of God. We're sitting poised, ready for some exciting things. Part of the fuel that's, that's in the fire right now is the work of God in changed lives. I said in the prayer time, this, this week we've had four verifiable miracles that have happened. Carter Glidewell sent me an email and talked about the healing that occurred in his life. He had a situation with his arm and God has healed him. He, I mean, it's like there was the before and after. Uh, a dramatic change in his life. God saving people. It's, it's wonderful to be a part of an atmosphere where we're not just uh, thinking about what would Jesus do, which is a worthy question, but we get to see what he's doing. Because after all, he wasn't one who lived, died, and now he left us some content to follow, but he's no longer present and active. No, he is present. He is working in the midst of his church and through his church. And it's his energy and power that ignites the heart, lifts the church in faith and expectation that then causes us to attempt some things that will move us into a ministry that gives God even greater glory. Now, there's no passage that illustrates this more than Matthew 14. Turn with me. Matthew 14. Turn in your Bibles, your iPads, iPhones, all of these ways now that we have to experience the Word. Matthew 14, and let's take a look at verse 22 through about verse 33. I pray that this passage, so filled with truth, becomes liberating to us in our followership of Jesus. 
Verse 22 says, immediately after this. What he's talking about is a miracle of feeding a multitude. After that miracle, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. He's talking about the Sea of Galilee. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Now, they were already in, in fear because of the storm, and now... They're terrified, thinking there's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Now that is incredible. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Holy Spirit, speak to us out of this passage. A word to us as a church. What an honor to pastor this church. And what a, a very important responsibility. May I become your voice. May I become that channel of your truth. It's your word. It's your vision. It's your church. Speak to and through me today. These things that you have written on my heart that are prepared. And then, Lord, those things that will come in the very moment as we transition through this passage that are brought about by the the voice behind the voice that gives even greater clarity and energy to expect great things from you and to attempt great things for you. I thank you for the assurance that your word is anointed and alive. Now anoint me to speak it, that this church may be all that you've called for us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Recently, I was leaving one state, going to board a plane, fly back to Tulsa. As we were taxiing to the, run, uh, to the runway, the pilot said, I just want you to know that in our path, there are some thunderstorms. We will do the, our very best to avoid them, but I do expect some rough air along the way. So there will be some turbulence. And so I'm going to keep the seatbelt sign on. If I think that we can turn it off where you can move about the cabin, I certainly will. Uh, And so we start our journey. And along the way, there was some rough air, you know, the occasional 
kind of hit of that turbulence, nothing out of the ordinary. As we're going, the pilot comes on, talks to those of us in the cabin and says, if you'll look out to your right, you can see one of the thunderstorms that we are going around. And you can see out in the distance this big thunderhead. And we continue on. And he comes back and says, I'm sorry to leave the seatbelt sign on, but I, I, I still am expecting. And right when he's about to say the word turbulence, it's like that plane fell out of the sky. Now, we didn't, but it felt like we did. I mean, we just, it's suddenly, it's the kind of turbulence, if you've been on a plane experiencing this, it's like where you rise out of your seat. It's the seatbelt that, that, that really kept you in the seat. About that time, groanings that cannot be uttered begin to come from all over the plane. And one of the, the funniest things about it, it's funny to me now, uh, one of the funniest things is right when the pilot was about to say turbulence and we dipped, he joined the group in groanings that should not be uttered over the loudspeaker. And we didn't hear anything from him for a few minutes. And we had been in the flight long enough to where I had had small talk with the person sitting next to me. I knew what they did. They knew what I did for like a living, which was herd cats. I mean, pastor at church. Uh, they knew I was a pastor. And they kind of gave me that look that John Ortberg writes about when he was in a similar situation. Person looked at him in a time of fear in a flight and said, hey, you're a pastor. Do something religious. And so John Ortberg writes, so I took an offering. <laughs> At that moment, pastor and people on that plane had one question. Can we trust this pilot? Because we put our destiny in his hands. And we're experiencing that relationship between faith and fear and faith and risk. And that brings us to the story of Peter. Verse 23, Jesus says to his disciples, get in the boat and go the other side. He's talking about the Sea of Galilee. Their journey is about a four and a half mile journey. We know by the text that as they set out, it's still daylight. It is later in the afternoon, but it's still daylight. And so they get into the boat. Jesus then goes on the mountain to pray. And while Jesus was praying, it is then that night fell. Then Jesus is going to go to them in the midst of this horrible storm during the fourth watch of the night. See, the Romans, they broke up the night into watches. So you had six to nine, nine to 12, 12 to three, and three to six. They started out in daytime, so late afternoon. And when Jesus gets to them about 3 o'clock in the morning, these professional fishermen who only had four and a half miles, who understand how to navigate a boat, are in such a fierce storm, they're terrified. They're wondering if they're going to make it. They're so terrified that the one they've been walking with, who they've just experienced uh, doing a miracle for a multitude, 
they're so terrified that Jesus appears to be a ghost, just adding to the terror of the moment. So I want you to see the context in which we find these disciples. They're cold, wet, exhausted, now 10 plus hours into this journey. The waves are really high and the wind is strong. Different versions tell us about how the waves were attacking the boat. One version says the waves tormented the boat. Other versions say it tossed the boat, buffeted the boat. It was beating against the boat. This was a serious storm. Cold, wet, exhausted. Wind is strong. Waves are high. They're in the pitch dark of the fourth watch of the night. And it's this is the context in which Jesus is going to ask his follower, Peter, to do something that's never been done before. It would be challenging enough to walk on the water if the water was calm. Middle of the day. Sun is shining. Water is smooth. No drama being needed. Because you are about to do something that you've never done, nor anyone else has ever done. But to put it into the context of the story, it seems to be the worst time to be expecting great things from God and attempting great things for God. This is a very important lesson. Because as I talk about this positive approach at expecting great things and doing great things you may see that that filters through to those who don't have challenges right now. Maybe we should see this lesson, that when you're exhausted, wondering if you're going to make it in the most uncertainty of your life, that it's then that Jesus would like to issue a strong challenge. It's then that God would like for you to lift your expectations and increase your faith until you're willing to try something you've never done before. Now we're together about what's happening in Matthew 14. Very interesting story because we record, it records that Peter is about to do this. One writer says that according to Holy Scripture, human extremity is the frequent meeting place with God. You struggling right now? Things difficult. Scripture supports that that's often the meeting place. See, it's not when the water's calm and the sun is shining. We're serving the kind of God who comes in the midst of the worst of times and is about to transform it into something that has never happened in human history that would have us thousands of years later talking about it on a Sunday morning. What may be on the verge of happening in your life if you can follow through as this disciple did? Because it's challenging. I don't want to come across as though this is easy because it's not. Matter of fact, when you step out in faith, the potential is there that you go down because after all, we've never seen a man walk on water. 
But John Ortberg writes, if you get out there, out there, there is the possibility that you may go down. But if you don't, there is the certainty that you will never walk on water. Because if you're going to walk on the water, you have to get out of the boat. I strongly recommend his book. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. It's an incredible study that opens up this passage way more than I will have the opportunity to today. But it has been a great resource to me. Jesus, he, he, he's going to command Peter, but he commands Peter at Peter's question. Hey, Lord, it's you. Ask me to come out there. It's another way of Peter saying, Lord, what would you want me to do? Now capture this as a follower of Christ. Capture this as a congregation. If we can have that attitude that says to the Lord, what do you want us to do? We are going to be given the answer. And if we'll obey at that answer, we're going to put the power of God into play that's going to lead to the exaltation of God, to the worship of God, and the changing of lives. I'm going to say that again. If we are willing as a church to say, Lord, what do you want us to do? Which will call us out of our boat of safety. To change the way we've been doing things. If we'll answer at the Lord's command. And we respond in obedience. We are going to lift the glory of God to a new level. Which attracts people's attention to God, creates greater worship of God, it creates transformation. As we walk through this story, I want you to see that Peter, he steps his foot over the side of that boat and he starts walking. And the first time in human history, a man is walking on water. The waves are still high and the wind is still strong and it's still in the darkness of the night. And in the worst of circumstances, Peter is attempting something that has never been done before and he walks on the water. Last night, Kelly and I were having some fellowship with Mitch and Leah Dunnick. Dr. Mitch Dunnick has worked within his image in this community, different countries around the world has worked with Good Samaritan, and now he has felt in his heart, his wife Leah has felt in her heart, that God is calling them to get out of the boat. So they're going to move in just about three weeks to Afghanistan, taking their two youngest children, Cora and Levi. Now you know the circumstances of Afghanistan. It's likened to what we see in Matthew 14. The waves are high, the wind is strong. It's a dark time in Afghanistan. It wouldn't seem to be the time for a follower of Christ to say, along with his wife, we're going to Afghanistan. We're getting out of this boat that we've known into something we've never done in the most uncertain time. They're stepping out of that boat knowing because they've asked the question, Lord, what do you want us to do? And the Lord answered, And so they're getting out of the boat. As if those circumstances I've mentioned to you were not enough. In the wintertime, it'll get down to 15 degrees and even lower. And the fact is, it's as cold on the inside of your home as it is on the outside because there's no central heat. 
So on their to-do list this week was to find these certain water bottles that they will use, hot water bottles, to try and heat up the sheets and the blankets so that they can get some sleep. This is a family that's known a certain kind of boat in this community and in this nation. And now they're stepping out of that boat to some uncertainty, adversity, difficulty, sacrifice. My mind races with all of the lessons that are involved because we are called to get out of the boat and it's not easy. Because when you're getting out of the boat, you're learning that relationship of, can I trust the pilot? That's where you're feeling the relationship, the close relationship between faith and fear. Between faith and risk. Between obedience and disobedience. See, I don't want you to see this text and say it's just for the adventurous. The type A's, the... Adrenaline junkies. No, this is a passage for all of us. Can I get an amen? Matter of fact, John Ortberg writes, Jesus is not looking for bungee jumping, hang gliding, tornado chasing pinto drivers. Water walking is, listen to this, is not something that Peter does for recreational purposes. This is not the story about the X Games or extreme sports. This is a story about discipleship. At the end of the day, Matthew 14 is not about a guy who took a major risk. It is about a guy who obeyed the command of Jesus and supernatural things occurred. I call us as a church to get out of our boat of historical precedent the way we've always done it. Ways that have borne much fruit because after all, Peter and the 11 were making their way across. But the Lord has commanded and if we will obey, the result of the story will not say, look at the great risk we took. The result of the story will be changed lives because of the obedience that we expressed at the command of Jesus. Expect great things for God, from God, and attempt great things for God is not so that you look for great risk, but so that you look for opportunities to express obedience to the command of Jesus to you, one of his followers. And as you do, in the most uncertain of times, you will experience the supernatural power of God because you are a water walker. Jesus needs a local church that will get out of the boat of historical precedent and do some things that may not have ever been done before. It is not being critical of the boat. It is not being critical of the past. It is being obedient to the present call of Jesus. And we do so not only dealing with the fear and dealing with the uncertainty, 
But in a nation that has overwhelmed us with a spirit of comfort, until so much of our pursuit is to be more comfortable. The whole culture is designed to be convenient so that we can add creature comforts. And flying into the face of that American spirit is the Holy Spirit who will call us to do things that create dis-ease, that will be uncomfortable, demand sacrifice, may even be criticized. And that is an interesting step of faith to take when in this American spirit, it makes us want approval. It makes us want to be stroked. Get all the attaboys you can. Rather than getting out on the water where people may think you've lost your mind. And you may go down. And so you become a prisoner to your precedent. What was once exactly what Jesus said to do, as it changes, you become a prisoner to the precedent rather than obedient to the call of discipleship. How many churches will have over 200 pastors here tomorrow for a day of training? And how many of them lead churches that cannot grow because, bless God, their boat of precedent is the only way you can do it? And as Jesus has issued some calls to step out modified the way they do what they do and when they do what they do people rose up and said don't you know this is a Holy Ghost boat and there is no other way but this way when Jesus is out there or they say if we were ever going to try such a thing this is not the time I mean don't you realize what's happening see it's never convenient to obey when it's hard. Let this speak to your heart as a follower of Christ. Let this speak to your heart as a congregation. We are called to obey Jesus in a culture that exalts comfort. That's why the number one selling chair is the lazy boy, not the risky boy or the worker boy, but the lazy boy where we like to come home and get in our lazy boy and veg out. Get as close to plant life as we possibly can. And we got a name for it. We get in our lazy boy and become a couch. Peter gets out of the boat and there are 11 boat potatoes who also could have been out there. But they weren't willing to obey at that level. They were at least in the boat, right? But when God was calling for a new level of discipleship so that he could do something that had never been done before, there were 11 
that were more, more committed to their precedent and their comfort than obedience. In the local church, we can, if not careful, end up becoming pew potatoes. Where our pursuit of God is to add cushion to our religious journey. And I ask your forgiveness where pastors have stood behind pulpits and contributed to that. Preaching sermons about success for our personal success rather than success that would lead to the glory of God. Presenting a gospel that ends up being all about me when we have a gospel, but it's all about God. But it's become all about us and our comfort. And so we have all of these local churches that could be getting out of the boat and experiencing the supernatural power of God, thus elevating the glory of God, thus bringing in a harvest into the family of God but we're pursuing comfort as pew potatoes to which I would say Lord as for this church we may be small potatoes but this spuds for you so and let's go I wish I could take credit for that Thank God for the Holy Ghost and John Ortberg. We say, Lord, here I am with who I am, with what I have, and it's yours, and at your call of discipleship, at your command to doing what you want me to do, I say yes, and I get out of this boat, and if I go down, then who really failed in the situation? The guy trying to do what God told him to do or the 11 who refused to obey. We know the answer to that. Was Jonah sought a failure because it took him over 200 times to find a cure for polio? No, he wasn't a failure. He just learned 200 ways of how not to cure polio. If the local church gets that and we're passionate to see the lost saved, and the saved disciple, then we'll do whatever we possibly can. And if something that we do doesn't work, the issue is that we were still trying to do what Jesus told us to do rather than just sitting in our comfort being a prisoner of precedent. Come on, church. We've got an opportunity to walk on the water. Mm. Praise his name. Tell you what, Jesus... Is looking for a church that will take him at his word and step out in faith. I know the world's a pretty stormy place. We're always going to have the storm or the Savior. Faith and fear. Certainty and uncertainty. And we're going to have to make a choice. You know about baseball, that every guy that hits the ball, he strikes out two out of three times. In baseball, you strike out two out of three times that you go to bat. That's the norm. So if a hitter says, I don't want to strike out, then they'll never hit the ball. Because you're going to strike out two out of three times. God deliver us from a wrong definition of failure. 
Failure is not trying to obey and missing the mark. Failure is refusing to obey. I would say that, yes, Peter went down, but my respect is that at least he got out of the boat. Wow. God help us to do that. Until we expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Sir Edmund Hillary, he finally summited Mount Everest, but he didn't do it the first time he tried or the second time he tried. And every time he would climb the mountain and not succeed in summiting, it frustrated him. And finally, one time, he turned around and looked at the mountain, took his fist and shook it at the mountain. Imagine this little man, Mount Everest, 29,000 feet high, and he takes his fist and shakes it at the mountain, and he says to the mountain, you're as big as you will ever get, but I'm still growing. Let that stir in your heart until you say, Satan, you're as strong as you will ever be. But we are still growing. Amen? And we will summit the mountain. We will get out of the boat. We will walk on water. And when Peter gets out and starts walking on water, yes, he goes down, but he experiences that Jesus is so immediate in his response to those who are trying to obey his word. And he reaches in and he picks them up. Then they go back and get in the boat and then the storm stops and the rest of the disciples, here's what they said. He is God. Because a man was willing to attempt something, to break precedent, to do what had not been done before, the consolidated lesson ended up with the church in the boat worshiping God at a whole new level and people saying, I know that I know He is God. We have a community. They aren't listening to what we say. They need to see us in action in the mainstream. Expecting great things from God and attempting great things for God. So that it puts the power of God into play. It grabs their attention and they say, he is God. That's the call of the local church. And so we're going to have to walk on the water in order to put the power of God into play and let it consolidate in this room with people worshiping Jesus, knowing that he is Jesus. Amen? Tell you what, we've had a precedent here of doing discipleship and connection a certain way. We called it ABF. It served a long time. It's a great boat. But there were only just over 300 adults who even attended it of the seven uh, about 1,100 adults, 1,800 in attendance. We had about 300 adults who were taking part of discipleship and connection. So we said, we've got to get out of this boat. The historical precedent, precedent was strong and had borne a lot of fruit. But I knew the Holy Spirit was saying, get out of this boat. And start small groups, open homes all over the city. And before we've even launched, we have enough homes that are going to be open and we now have right at 500 adults that have committed to be there. 
So we've already got a 50% increase in those who are going to be discipled and connected because we put the priority on obedience not to a certain model of ministry or a certain way of doing ministry or a certain time of doing ministry, but just doing ministry in obedience to the call of Jesus. And we're already seeing a 50% increase. Praise God. About a year ago, we had just stepped out of the boat as a church and we bought 55 acres of land at a very uncertain time for about a half million dollars. Said God would use it and community could be attracted over time. Thousands of people being influenced. We just felt the stir. Get out of the boat. That's not, that's not an easy thing to do at the time we did it. Came into the summer, started a, a softball league. Eight teams out of this church on each team. People that didn't go to this church. And an umpire group that didn't go to this church. Because umpires. <laughs> know what I'm saying? They are not in the Lamb's book, I'll tell you that. You know what I mean. You know. And at our first game, there's this umpire, and he says, where are y'all from? I tell him, he said, you're all from like the same church? Yes, this is our park. And, and I could tell, I know when someone's asking me a question, and it's like inquisitive. It's not small talk. It's like, I'm interested I want to know the answer to this question, but I, I sense it at another level. I even went to Pastor Mark. I said to Pastor Mark, see the guy who's umping at first base? I said, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God's up to something. It's exactly what I said to him. Last Sunday morning, second service, that umpire, Derek, and his wife, Felicia, come to church, sitting in the chairs he's sitting in now. When I gave the altar call, his was the first hand that went up. And he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Come on. That's what it's about. So see, when you step out of the boat and you walk on the water and people say, you're buying a what? A park. A what? (laughs) And you're willing to deal with that because you know it's God. God is not just doing a miracle in isolation, he's got other things that he's wanting to do. And he knew that Derek would be out there for that first game and all the games of the season. And he knew that Derek and Felicia would be sitting here last Sunday morning. And he knew that Derek was going to open up his heart wide to the grace of God because he found a church that would get out of the boat and walk on the water. That is what it's about. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I got to hurry. I get stirred up about what it is to be the church. That's what I'm talking about. We will just honor God. And then we can sit here and go, wow, God is awesome. God is incredible. God's doing great things. William Carey stepped out of the boat. He won tens of thousands to Jesus. He planted 100 self-supporting churches. He translated the Bible into 34 different languages and dialects. And out of his ministry came Adoniram Judson, Hudson Taylor, and David Livingston. What might happen out of this miracle of walking on the water and doing ministry in a different way and in different times? What might God do?
And it leaves us at the place it left the 12, worshiping, saying he is God. In Narnia, the great lion Aslan plays the part of Jesus. Prince Caspian, one of the kids, had been separated from Aslan for about a year. When she looks at the lion, she says, you are so much bigger. And he said, no, I'm not bigger. You are a year older. And he went on to say, see, the more you mature, the more you learn of me, the more you will see who I already am. I'm not bigger, you're just older. And may we as a church, one year from today, be sitting here saying, it just seems that God is bigger. But the Holy Spirit would say, no, I've been this great. I'm as great as I've ever been or ever will be. You're just one year more mature. In your spiritual growth, you're discovering You just were willing to get out of the boat and you discovered things about me that are already true about me. He's a great God and you are a great church and God wants to do great things through his church. We will not make the mistake of trying to do the work of God apart from the power of God. We will not rely on ourselves. We will find that, you know what? I'm standing here today Because the pilot got me home. We can trust this pilot. Jesus Christ is faithful. And so we'll put our destiny in his hands. We'll have that experience of faith and fear. Faith and risk. All that leads to an obedient response to the call of discipleship. We grow. God's glorified. It results in worship as many say. He is God. Because we know he's God and we know he's in control, we're not going to have to rely on ourselves. And we don't have to be dependent. See, if we aren't careful, we'll let circumstance. The storm is brewing. We, We can't get out of the boat right now. When I say that, I'm saying I'm depending on myself. And I know within myself, with the wind strong and the waves high, I can't get out of the boat and live. I can't be generous right now because... Look at what the economy is doing. And I am dependent on myself. See, if I'm dependent on God, then circumstances are taken out of the reasoning for me to disobey. And I step out of the boat. I begin to walk on the water. And it leads to just a greater level of of understanding that God can be trusted. I'm ready to get out of the boat. I'm ready to once again walk on the water. And it's just a, a lot better. I think Peter would have got out of the boat even faster if the other 11 would have been saying, let's get out of this boat. Let's do it together. Because if one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000. 
So let's go to the next level together. We are walking on the water because we refuse to stay in the boat. May God be glorified. And may we see Derek after Derek after Derek after Derek after Derek rock. You see, what's so cool is that Derek and Felicia can be in our home group. We can disciple them. We can journey with them. Person after person was coming by seeing him because he's already assimilated because we did outreach. He came here with relationships. If you can believe it, an umpire. And it actually happened. And our teams, here's a great one, were a good testimony. Whoa, Pastor Mark, you better catch me. I'm about to fall. That'll throw you down. That's amazing. It's just the church being the church. It's just the church being the church. Well, how great is our God? Lord, I thank you for our time today. And as we close our eyes in your presence, we just give you worship because you're an awesome God. And we're going to get out of this boat. We're going to walk on the water and uh, experience your supernatural power because we are willing to break with precedent. We are willing to break with what has become very comfortable and be uncomfortable and uncertain while we obey. And I pray that we never lose that. This church has not gotten to where it is because it was more committed to comfort than to you. We will not be the church you want us to be without this kind of obedience when it seems inconvenient, hard, difficult. Now, Lord, set this into the heart individually. My friend, how does this come across to you? What, what's happening in your life? What boat of safety are you in that the Lord would be calling you out of? What kind of place and season are you in that has you needing to listen to Jesus answer the question, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do? See, everybody's boat looks different. Everybody's situation is different than the other. You have to respond out of your context. God has said to the Dunnicks, go to Afghanistan. You may say something very differently to you, but it will be the same step of obedience required of you as it is of them. Looks different, but the essence is spiritual growth. Saying yes to Jesus. I pray you say yes. I pray you learn he's greater than you could ever imagine. I pray you bring the power of God into play by taking him at his word and acting on that word. The greatest miracle and the first is when you get out of the boat of sin and obey in accepting Jesus as your Savior. Maybe there's someone else here like Derek who last week said yes to Jesus. Are you ready to come out of the boat of your own way, your own thinking, doing life the way you thought it should be and surrendering yourself to your maker, to the one who understands and knows how to make it work, who can meet the deepest need and fill the void in your heart See, it comes to a point where we don't have to talk you out of the boat, where you're desperate to get out of that boat because you so need Jesus. You need Jesus. 
until you run to him. If today you would say, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior. I so need Christ. I want you to raise your hand right now. Raise it, raise it fast. Let me pray with you. Yes, God bless you. Someone else, yes, God bless you. God bless you. Keep raising them. I'm looking from my right to my left. So center section, outside sections to my left. You say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Here's what I want to do for those that raise their hands. In this awesome opportunity, I'm just going to come right down here on this main floor. If you lifted your hand and say, I need Jesus. I want you to just come down here and meet me. And we're going we're gonna to kneel here and pray. If you lifted your hand, just come meet me right now. If you needed to raise your hand, come on. Come on. Let's praise the Lord for these that are getting saved. Just come and kneel right here. team members who are going to come they're going to be with these men is there anyone else anyone else you say I need to be at this altar I need to accept Jesus I don't want to miss a person we'll wait just a moment because as these men pray they're going to be saved and then we're going to follow through we're going to get them assimilated into discipleship get them in a home group, get them a coach, get them a disciple maker, and they're going to grow in Jesus. Anyone else? Say, I need that. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord. You know your heart's grown cold. Why don't you come? Just pray right now. I'll wait just a moment. You can come. The Spirit of the Lord draws you. His love, His grace draws you today. Anyone else? Come. Respond to Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just thank you and honor you that we can still be a ministry of impact. Names are being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Angels of heaven are rejoicing. Sin is being washed. The debt that was paid at Calvary it becomes a reality to these men. The cleansing and newness of life that was made available when you rose from the dead, that miracle is springing forth like a fountain in their soul. It's a new day. And we rejoice in the God of our salvation, the God of their salvation. We rejoice in you. And now, Lord, I pray for us as a faith family to take steps of faith. Lord, we're leading a ministry here and we refuse to do less than what you've called us to do. We, no matter how hard, no matter how challenging, we are going to grow. Adversity will only drive us to you and make us better. We're going to walk on the water. Lord, I thank you for how it's expanding the ministry to children the new model we're going to use. I thank you for the home groups that are opening. I thank you for the many that will be involved. I thank you for the third service. I thank you, Lord, for how you're going to express your presence in all of these different places 
and through all of these different people. Holy Spirit, we give you praise for our school that is moving to the next level. We give you praise for the land you've given us that we can use as tools of ministry. We give you praise for this building, for every piece of equipment, for every person that calls this their church. May we just bring it all to you in submission and say, Lord, what do you want us to do? We'll obey at your word and you will receive the glory. Holy Spirit, we give you the praise for responding and moving and providing. Awaken it in someone's heart today to get out of their own boat and to follow you in a way that they know they've been called to do. I know the fear. I know the uncertainty. May they move through it in sheer obedience and realize the fellowship that they have with you when they're obeying you. Hallelujah. Everybody standing with me, if you will. We just want to be grateful today, Lord, that you smile upon us, that you have a heart toward us, and that you are still working in our midst. I thank you, Lord, that tonight we're going to baptize people in water that are saying yes, following through, and being disciples. That we'll commission many people who are say, I want to be a servant leader in the new season of ministry that will express the power of God, that will bring more people into an attitude of giving God glory. So we end where it ended in the boat in Matthew 14, worshiping you. Would you just lift your hands with me? Just end worshiping you. You are God. You are who you say you are. You are God. You are great and you are mighty. You're mightier in our eyes than you have been. You're greater in our own understanding than you have been. And I thank you that as we walk with you and towards you, that concept of you will increase and increase. And that will influence our attempt at what you tell us to do. Oh God, story after story is going to be the result for your honor and your glory. Now let's take those hands and put them together in praise to God. I love being part of the family of God. I love you. I love being your pastor. I love being a part of what God is doing here. 